somebody help me say thank you to this worship team and our prayer team. Golly, our prayer ministers, what a blessing, and our, uh, our, all of our volunteers, all of our lanyard-wearing, apron-wearing, difference-makers. We are grateful for them all. All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Now, we kinda, we're kind of conflicted because we're excited about the book of Ephesians, but we're, it's the last time that we're opening up this book for this series. So we're excited to conclude, but we're sad about Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, we're going to read from today. We're going to read just verses 10 through 20. And now, verses 21 through 24 are also in the Bible. They are, uh, they are Paul's personal comments, and I want you to enjoy them. Uh, you know, read them tonight before you go to bed. Peace and grace to you. Read those things. That'll bless you. But we're going to pay attention to the imperatives and the, uh, and the implications in 10 through 20. Are you ready? All right. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might of His strength. Oh, hello, 10 a.m. is awake and ready. Put on the full armor of God. Oh, mercy. Y'all going to help me preach this thing before we get preaching. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So if you are fussing with flesh and blood, you are in the wrong fight. That's not in the text. That's me. <laughs> what translation is he reading? Our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, having taken up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish most of the flaming arrows of the evil one. With which you will be able to do your darndest to resist some or of these things. You'll do your best, but some of those darts are still going to get you no matter what. No. Let's try it again here. Must be reading one of them contemporary English versions. <laughs> I got more jokes. I got more. I can't say any of them. But I heard them in my head, and they're funny. Funny. <laughs> Hello. Okay. In, ad in addition to all, having taken up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Oh, look here. Flaming arrows only come from the evil one. So if you are in the business of passing them out, you are partnering with the evil one. 10 a.m. came ready for church today. All right. Okay. Glad I got a short sleeve on. 
also receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times with all prayer and petition in the Spirit to this end, being on the alert with perseverance and petition for all the saints. Praying. So let me just connect that real quick. Praying at all times, ellipsis, for all the saints. Praying at all times, dot, 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 for all the saints, as well as for me, he says, also me, that words may be given to me in the, with the opening of my mouth to me. <laughs> watch it back there, uh, <laughs> that words may be given to the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, so that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. In Christ, we stand. We stand against evil. We stand against the schemes of the devil. We stand. Now, author audience agenda. What's, we need to remember where we are, what's happening. Paul, having celebrated who we are in Christ, having celebrated that we are sealed with the Spirit, stamped with eternity, that we have been reconciled to God, uh, we have been brought near to Him, we have been brought near to one another, the, the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down, and we are being built, we are being formed together into a dwelling where God lives and rests by His Spirit. Therefore, He wants us then, to under, having understood that calling, to walk worthy of it that we walk worthy of our calling by walking in unity with one another that we walk worthy of our calling by walking in ministry to one another by walking differently than the world by walking as light in love in wisdom and with honor and then he concludes this letter by urging us this letter that urges the highest and holiest way of life in Christ, he concludes it by saying, stand. His final message to them and to us is to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, against evil. How do we do it? Well, let's just look at it just uh, kind of logically through the text here. How do we do that? Number one, first of all, be strong in the Lord. Would you say that out loud with me? Be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might of His strength. Now, as a standalone imperative, this doesn't require uh, uh, the text for us to understand it and apply it. As a standalone imperative, it doesn't really matter what text it's in. It doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter what century it is, what country or culture it is. There's this, this imperative rings true. Every single one of us, no matter where we are, who we are, we ought to, we can be strong in the Lord and in the might of His strength. No part of our Christianity is to be characterized by feebleness, nor by a futile relying upon our own strength. This is not the gospel of just try harder. This clause, and I like the, the, the legacy standard, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength because it connects us with the clause that Paul has already used in chapter 1 and verse 19 when he prays that you and I might know, we might be made, might be made known to us what is the greatness of God's power toward us, which is the, the might of his strength. 
That God's power toward us, he characterizes as the might of his strength that he used when he raised Christ from the dead. But this is, this is what we have. This is God's power toward us is the might of his strength. And then in 3.16, he wants us to, to be filled with the Spirit, to be strengthened with this power by the Spirit who dwells within us. So we could translate verse 10 like this, if we wanted to say it this way. Be continually made strong. It's a, it's a present imperative, something that is to continually happen in our life. Be continually made strong with God's own might, receiving and relying upon the strength of the Holy Spirit within you. Friends, there is strength for you. And that strength is more than enough. It's more than enough for you to walk worthy of your calling. And it is more than enough for you to stand. Second, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. First of all, stand firm against. Somebody say that with me, please. Stand firm against. The command here is to resist. To resist, to defend to be unmoved. Would you say it with me? Be unmoved. This is a posture of defense, not the kind of defense, not like you and I hiding in a hole, covering our heads, hoping this is over soon. Not that kind of posture of defense, but rather what we are, this is a, this is a, a posture of defense that from which we need to understand we are, we are fighting from victory and not for it. Here's what we know. Listen, what kind of victory are we fighting from? You and I are seated with Christ. Well, let me just tell you. Here's what Paul describes. Here's the victory that we are in and that we are fighting from. Are you ready? Uh, what, is the great, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who, uh, who believe according to the working of it, the might of his strength, which he worked in Christ by raising him from the dead? and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things, all things in subjection under his feet. How many things? Under his feet. Even the devil and all of his schemes are under and gave him his head of all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so friends we are we are defending from a place of victory we are fighting from victory and not for it we have the high ground we have the high ground we need therefore to stand we stand in order that we will not be deceived we will not compromise We will not concede ground or accommodate, nor be overcome by the schemes of the devil. These are the things against us, the schemes of the devil. Now, the devil, friends, we have spiritual adversaries. Verse 12 says, again, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. But rulers, authorities, world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness, they are powerful and they are evil. They are wicked. They have animus against you. These, there are real spiritual powers 
organized in opposition to the church and against the name of the Lord Jesus. And our human effort and ingenuity are totally insufficient to deal with them. We pat ourselves, we sprain our arms, patting ourselves on the back for our creativity, for our strategies. We are so cute, the Western church. We've out-strategized the devil. We've outsmarted him. We have social media. Our human effort, our ingenuity, our creativity, all of it, totally insufficient. Totally insufficient. At the same time, ignoring these spiritual powers, denying they exist, only leads to their unrestrained influence. The devil has schemes. The King James says the wiles, the wiles of the enemy. The wild, wiles, uh, this word means devious strategies. Devious strategies to manipulate and to persuade to do what one wants. This is his strategy. This is his wiles, the scheme. The word is actually closer to our word method. The methods, the sneaky methods of the devil. Friends, so what Paul is describing here is not an obvious full frontal assault. The devil is not necessarily going to show up on your front door with a pitchfork. How he works has already been referenced in chapter 2 and verse 1 and chapter 4 verse 17. Two, in 2.1, two, he's the ruler of the power of the air. He's the spirit at work in the disobedient. He, is, he incites lusts and he inflames the desires of the mind. In 4.17, he is the influence behind men's futile and dark thinking, thinking and the hardening of their hearts. His methods are deception. His methods are delusion and sedition and accusation and temptation and corruption. So beware. Beware. The less appetite you have for goodness, the more that you accommodate carnality, the more you dismiss the importance of things like humility and patience and gentleness, the, the less grateful that you are, the more entitled you feel, and the more easily offended you become, the more comfortable you are with things that are unclean, these are indicators of the inroads the adversary is making into your lives. So stand firm. Stand firm against these schemes. How are we going to do that? Oh, I'm proud of you, proud of you. I almost, almost, I thought they're all going to answer me as soon as I drink a drink, okay? How do we do that? We put on the full armor. Someone say, put on the full armor. Put on the full armor. 
Okay, in verse 11, verse 11 actually contrasts this. Couldn't, can't make it more clear. It contrasts the armor of God versus the schemes of the devil. The armor is how you stand. You are strengthened by the Holy Spirit, and the armor is how you resist. Now, verses 14 through 17 give us metaphors for this armor. They give us metaphors. Paul is next to, if not chained to, a Roman soldier. So for however, however long, at least somewhere in his peripheral vision, is this person wearing this armor, and he of no doubt sees its importance and how necessary the pieces are and kind of how they work, and no doubt this influences or affects his thinking, but more than that, Paul is a Bible boy, and he is familiar with, more familiar with, the, with passages like Isaiah and even the intertestamental deuterocanonical literature like Wisdom of Solomon, who dis- and all of these texts descri- use the metaphors of armor to describe divine virtues. So let me cut to the chase and say this. We stand against evil. We resist the schemes of the devil by exercising Christian virtue. What has happened over time and tradition is that these metaphors have become overemphasized. So that people read this and want to play dress up. Instead of understanding that the metaphors have a purpose. Belts and breastplates and helmets and swords and shields. They're used to demonstrate the importance. Somebody say that with me. And the necessity and the effectiveness of Christian virtue. The schemes of the devil are resisted by these virtues, not by the volume of our voice, not by climbing on the roof and blowing a shofar, not by lighting candles and waving dream catchers or whatever hocus pocus people do. The schemes of the devil are met and overcome by our unmoving, unflinching practice of Christian virtue. And make no mistake, these virtues are armor. That when the schemes of the devil meet the practice of Christian virtue, they are stopped. There is no place for their schemes. When, they, when, they meet, when, when the devil's schemes meets Christian virtue, there's no, there's no access. There's no vulnerability. There's, there is resistance. But in the absence of virtue, there is no resistance. James chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that where there is strife and envy, there is every, every kind of evil. There's no greater resistance to the schemes of the devil than virtue, Christian virtue, and no greater vulnerability without it. Let's talk about these virtues. Now, once again, I don't believe Paul is intending to give us an exhaustive list he, he references these things in other portions of Scripture, and he uses, and he, he's actually, the metaphors aren't even fixed. He switches them around later. The whole point is, these virtues are important and effective. 
The first one is truth. He says to be girded, to, to, to gird ourselves with truth. And the belt of truth, it's, it's often translated. And, and that's wonderful. And if you read commentators and, 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 and scholars, they'll say, oh, the belt of truth. Paul is referencing the outer sash of the garment whereupon the, the sword would hang and how important that belt is. And they're brilliant, and they say that. And then this guy over here, he says, oh, he means the belt on the inside, underneath all of the armor that kind of holds all the clothes together and, and gives you all kinds of reasons. And so you got two guys with all kinds of degrees that are arguing about where the belt is. And Paul wants us to know where the truth is. Truth. We are to be girded with integrity. We are to be girded with honesty. There is to be no falsehood or guile in our life. When the schemes of the devil meet an honest person, those schemes do not have success. Have, have integrity. Then he says righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. This is, when Paul means, talks of this, this is the Greek word that means right conduct toward God and toward others. This is, the breastplate of righteousness is good character. It is doing what is right and doing it over and over and over to be consistent with it and to not allow uh, gaps in our character that would be like large gaps in armor, to make we are vulnerable where we tolerate gaps in our character. And the more influence and opportunities that we have in our life, those gaps grow with us. If we tolerate those gaps, they become more and more of a liability. Now, we are, while we aren't maximizing these metaphors, we do want to identify them. We want to work with them a little bit. And right now we can pause and recognize, as we'll see the rest of it is also true, that, that in all of these metaphors of, and him, the use of armor, there isn't any armor, not, in, not for the Romans and not here, there isn't any armor to cover the back. It's just for the front. So, oh no, are we, how, oh no, we've been left vulnerable. Our backs are vulnerable. So what is necessary? Because you already know. What, if my back is vulnerable, that means I need Mark to have my back. Our backs are vulnerable because we have each other's backs. You are the protection for one another. Next is peace. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You, and I know people love to make a lot of this. We, they make a lot about feet and readiness and go be missionaries and all that kind of stuff. All that's great. Great, great, great. Praise the Lord. But here's the deal. We're still talking about standing. Somebody say stand. And you need peace to stand. You cannot stand You'll have trouble standing if you are agitated and anxious and edgy and angry and upset and resentful and unforgiving and worrying and ducking. That doesn't make for good standing. But we stand with the peace of God. We stand with peace from God. 
we, we, we are, we, that is the peace of God that gives us the footing. Come on, somebody say footing. footing. Is the peace of God that gives us the footing to stand. And yet there is the, a hint, a hint of movement there, which I really like. And that means not only is the peace of God that gives me footing, but, it, but my footprints leave peace behind me. How beautiful are the feet, Isaiah 52. How beautiful. I got good looking feet. How, I really don't, by the way. Uh, uh, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news, announcing peace, proclaiming news of happiness. Our God reigns. Where you go, peace goes. Faith. The shield of faith. Sometimes above all, having things, including all or above, above all, or you might say, just work with me, bigger than all, say that. I'll explain. Take up the shield of faith. Faith is a trust and a confidence in the character and promises of God. Faith in Ephesians is a radical openness to God that allows for and invites the indwelling of Christ, that, that makes us walk in an awareness of the overflowing, immeasurable love of God toward us. This is the shield of faith that, that helps me not to be overcome by flaming arrows. These flaming arrows of lust, of deception, of distraction and accusation and persecution. These flaming darts, these flaming arrows are lies. They are lies, and they are lies of condemnation. They are lies of comparison. They are lies of entitlement and suspicion, suspicious of God and other people. They are meant to seduce you into giving up ground. These are the only metaphors here that are, that are attached to the schemes. We've got schemes that are coming at us, and the only metaphor, so these schemes are flaming darts, flaming arrows to make, they, they feel like, you may not even be able to identify them, but you know what they feel like. They feel like accusation. They feel like condemnation. They feel like discouragement. They, they can feel like depression and temptation and agitation. But it is the shield of faith, that radical, open confidence in the love of God and the promise of God and the character of God that protects me, that shields me. But there's two more things, again, we just want to recognize here. I, I like that there's like above all or more than all or bigger than all is because the shield that Paul is referencing here is not the Captain America shield. It's, it's not that cute little garbage can size shield. Now, if you grew up back in the day, I'm just saying there used to be cans. And on top of the cans of garbage were little lids, which made for perfect shields. They were like, where they were just shields. And they called them lids, but we knew what they were. Aha! They were, see, you know, they were shields for whatever, and then whatever stick you had, you just went at it in the neighborhood. Just, I mean, we, we, they, they might have called it, it was just, it was just hey, let's let the neighbor kids assault one another for a few hours. <laughs> it was great fun. We weren't talking, but these aren't the kind of shields Paul has in mind here. 
uh, the shields that he describes that his audience would have read and having known the word that he used aren't the, the shield that would fit on your forearm. As a matter of fact, we're talking about standing, not marching, right? The shield that he has in mind probably is about the size of one of those sliding doors there. It's bigger than you. And that's what you need to feel. The shield of faith, above all, it's bigger than you. The shield of faith is not something that you plant it and it sits right in front of you and it covers the entirety of you. And here's, what, here's also what they knew is that the, the Romans, when they used these shields, that when they used them, they would line up together and they would either stack them against each other or kind of almost lock them with one another. And their adversaries knew this, that if the Romans locked, stood together with these shields, that them standing together made them virtually invincible. Impenetrable. Do your worst. We're not moving. To do that, to be thoroughly effective, they had to stand together. So in those times, when your shield gets a little heavy, don't worry. Someone's standing next to you. You've got someone with you. There's a brother, there's a sister, there's a family member, someone right next to you. And there they will literally lock their faith with you yours. Has anybody ever been helped by somebody else's faith? <coughs> I am shielded by faith and we are shielded by faith. And then salvation, which I have in parentheses as hope. What? Well, yeah. Salvation in the scripture is always described in terms of our calling and our hope. Salvation is something that has happened to us, that is happening to us, and that will happen to us. Our hope, our hope is that Christ, that Christ has saved us, but that He is returning and that all things will be made new. Our salvation really begins in its fullness in about Revelation 21, 22. That's eternity. And that's our great hope. It is that day that gives us strength and perseverance and strength and patience for this day. It enables me to survive this day, to rejoice in this day, to be faithful in this day. To st I can stand today because I have hope in that day. It is our hope. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the objective here, remember, is still standing and not stabbing. So this would be probably something more like the confession of the word or the meditation upon the word or even the proclamation of God's word that fends off personal attacks and deceptions. The, the, the very best example of this is our Lord Jesus himself in the wilderness, the devil himself throwing darts at him and him responding with, it is written. And then praying at all times with all prayer and petition for all the saints. There's no metaphor here. Prayer isn't a metaphor. There's nothing like it. But it's unique. It's absolutely necessary in order for us to resist. And we need to hear what Paul says. Praying, dot, 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 
for all the saints. We stand together as we pray for and with one another. And we don't stop. And there's another aspect here that he actually says, pray, pray for all the saints, and then pray for me that words be given me that I might proclaim boldly. So even our advancement, so where it, where it, when we, what we do, where we do advance, the territory that we do take is going to happen because we're praying. Because we're praying. So what's the significance? Having said all of that, here's the deal. We must stand. We must stand. We must stand, we can stand, and we will stand. As a matter of fact, let's stand. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will strengthen you. And Christian virtue will protect us. But we must stand together. Shields together, having one another's back, praying for one another. And this is how I'd like to close today. As I was waiting on the Lord and listening for how to respond to this, I felt very pressed that we should take time this morning to pray, to stand together and to pray, particularly for those of you in the room and with us online who are feeling the darts of the enemy. You are feeling the darts of accusation, condemnation, confusion. You may not even be able to articulate it, what, they're, what they are, but you can feel these darts and you can feel a sense of even being whelmed by them, being harassed. It may be temptation. It may just be deep discouragement. Fears about tomorrow and the future. I could list them all. He has, there's no end to his arsenal. But all of the answer is the same. Is that we will stand together with the shield of faith. And we will pray. So right now, I want to invite you, please, to be bold and, and just honest without any sense of shame or anything. If you're feeling whelmed by these darts, let us pray for you today. Would you come right now? Don't hesitate. Would you come and just find a place and just line up? Lori and I particularly want to pray for you. I want, and I'm going to have prayer workers actually come in behind you and lay a gentle hand on your shoulder so that you know someone has your back. Come on, come and line up right in the front. And I want all and my prayer workers, let's start by making sure everybody can feel a gentle hand on a shoulder so they know you've got your back. Come on. Everybody knows they've got something. There we go. There we go. Just take time. If you'll give me a minute, I want to come and pray with you. Make sure everybody's got someone behind them.
We're not going to worry about how much time this takes. We've tried to make time and make room for this moment today. Good, good. Dr. Sawwasser, probably here too. Yeah, thanks. You know who you are, particularly those who I'm... Now, one more thing. I want to say it again. Right now, I just am aware, gently, without any pressure or sales tactics, for those of you that are saying, doggone it, I wish I would have moved. We have, we have time and room for you right now. Come on. Our pastoral staff, our department heads are going to... We'll see you and help you. This is not the day for you to leave here the same way. One way or another, you're going to leave here stronger and more encouraged. We're going to leave you better than we found you today. All right, now let's just take time. We're going to pray. And now make sure that someone feels the back of your hand and just begin to bless them, begin to encourage them. Make sure that they know you've got their back. All right, let's continue to pray.
Your way is better. Yes, your way is better. 
friends the Lord bless you there's probably folks waiting for your parking spot and that's okay but we're going to just let the front of this room be a place of prayer no rush no hurry no agenda we'll wait on the Lord we're going to wait on the presence of God we've told them we're going to make room for him and that's what we're doing if you need to go find your children if you want to high five people and do all that big cafe for you to do all that let's just keep this place what it is